Aaron Sharma is a writer, aspiring lawyer, and advocate for adult survivors of child abuse and mental health from Vancouver, British Columbia. He experienced sexual abuse as a child. That trauma, unaddressed and untreated, led him to turn to destructive behaviors to cope. Climbing out of that place and the different stops and starts that took along the way has led him to want to share his story to help others. Our conversation starts with how attitudes about mental health and talking about childhood trauma have changed over the past 10 years, and then we talk more in depth about Aaron's trauma, how that impacted his perceptions growing up, and the roads he's taken to get to where he is today. It's an intense, powerful, and ultimately inspiring conversation of hope. Thanks for listening. The Minding Your Mind podcast, raising awareness and breaking the stigma around mental health. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Minding Your Mind podcast. My name is Evan Transu, and I will be your host for today. On this episode, we are going to be diving deep into some very serious topics. Our guest, Aaron Sharma, is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. In addition, he is someone that is now in sobriety after years of substance misuse. He decided to start speaking out about what he went through in order to help others, and we could not be more grateful to have him on today. Aaron, thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. Aaron, I got to hear a brief portion of your story, and it was something that just made me sit back and truly think, wow, you were just speaking with so much soul. And when you share your message, it comes so clearly from a place of selflessness and service to others. I'd like to start from the beginning. I know that you were experiencing abuse early on, but I'd also like to know the type of kid Aaron Sharma was before any of that started happening. Yeah, you know, um, before my abuse um, started happening, I was, uh, I would say that I was a pretty normal kid. You know, I, um, um, if I compare myself to my other kids, to the other kids around that time, uh, I, I was quite normal from the onset. You know, there was no issues at home between uh, my, my parents. I was, uh, they were very helpful. Uh, I did good in school. Um, I was, um, interacting, um, just fine with other kids as well. Um, I was a normal child who was able to enjoy, um, uh, normal childhood experiences. You know, uh, it, it didn't last a whole lot long, um, but you know, I, I was able to enjoy, um, those moments while I, while I could, you know, so I would say for the most part, it was pretty enjoyable. Okay. And I don't want, I want to word this question correctly because I don't want it to yeah. seem like I'm jumping ahead before we actually yeah. get into the story itself. But what makes you want to share your story today before we get into this? Um, well, it's, it's to help others, you know, cause I, um, I believe that my story can help, um, other people thrive and, um, motivate other people to find it within themselves to get help. Um, whether that's, through um, whether that's through counseling or, or through other rehabilitation programs. Um, but the point is, is to motivate, inspire people to get help. Um, so however that, that they choose to find help um, on their own way is, 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 however, however one chooses to get help is, is different for everybody. But um, that's the point of it is, is to inspire and, and help people uh, find uh, uh, healing, right? 
Awesome. Yes. And I love that we're going from that basis. So yeah. when I was listening, one of the things I heard you mention was that you had tried to reach out for help when some of this stuff was going on, but there weren't any results from that. I mean, it obviously takes an incredible amount of strength to talk about this at any age, let alone when you were that young and in the midst of it. I can't even imagine what it is like to have the courage to speak up only to have it then shut down. What exactly happened that made it so that asking for help didn't work. Um, uh, it, it was, um, you know, without going into too much detail about the who and who I reached out to, it was a very, uh, it was a close, it was an adult that I had a very close relationship to, right? Uh, someone who I trusted, someone who was in a position of understanding, who knew, who knew the difference between right and wrong, right? Um, here I was, a 10-year-old kid who had just been abused for the second time by the same perpetrator, and um, it, it created a lot of uh, issues for me, um, issues that I did not understand. And so um, when I reached out to um, this adult for help, it wasn't because I was reporting um, that something um, – awful had happened to me i didn't even know what the what was going on with me to begin with excuse me i i wasn't i, I wasn't aware of of um sexual acts or uh anything along those lines i i just reached out to the individual because there was a um as i mentioned in in my in my in my my work with um in the magazine there, I had mentioned that there was an arousal. I had been aroused, right? But at the same time, I was petrified and scared and confused. And it was this confusion, this arousal, but this emotional confusion as to what was happening to me, which is why I reached out to the adult. I was actually reaching out to the adult to get answers. You know, is this this feeling of arousal, is it normal? But it is, is this something that happens to children normally? You know, I, I, this is something that happened to me at first when I was at seven years old and now was happening to me a couple of years later. So I, I, I was very confused about it, right? Um, and so I reached out to the adult and um, <sighs> there was coming from a um, from an emotional place I didn't get very much um, uh, feedback emotionally from the individual who I um, disclosed this to. There was no, um, there was no sympathy. There was no um, acknowledgement. You know, there was no. It was almost as if like they didn't believe me. You know, okay. um, and so um, whether they whether they pursued it and and investigated further um, is is beyond me. But nothing was done about it, you know, um, as far as, yeah, there was no action. There was no acknowledgement. Um, nothing was, was, was done about it, unfortunately. Um, and uh, well, I feel like that just leaves you in a really tough place because yeah. now, I mean, it's already hard to have the conversation. And then it's like, OK, yeah. well, what the heck? What, what now? I mean, is that kind of how it was feeling? Just she's like, I don't know what to do now. Yeah, I, I just. I, I didn't know what to do. You know, at this point, I thought I'm I'm in it alone. You know, I'm I'm in this alone. Whatever I'm experiencing now, because I wasn't validated and because I wasn't heard, 
that to me translated to well surely this surely this all must be normal right because if they, if it was abnormal there would have been a reaction there would have been some sort of action to stop it dead in its tracks there would have been some sort of action to investigate further to get to the bottom of it you know i didn't see any action and so to me that trend translated to normalcy you know it was uh in my mind this is this is something that happened to everyday kids you know what i mean so yes, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm 10 years old you know i'm i'm now in grade 5 you know i mean i'm in elementary school for crying out loud right so um i i it was very difficult, you know, even when I when I went into school and, and the sitting down with my classmates, it was it was weird, you know, to me, you know, because it was it was um, it was very abnormal to me. The feelings behind um, behind it all, especially when I wasn't hurt, it, it would uh, it would it would go on to follow me for many, many years after that, um, and that confusion. So. Sure. And there's something that happens. And this is I'm talking now blanketing all mental health stuff together, where when we're dealing with something that is affecting our mental health indirectly or directly at a young age, there is this thing that you're talking about where we wonder, is this normal? Because if you grow up and something is constantly happening, you know, okay, if you grow up in America, speaking English, most likely, you know, depending on the family is normal. If you grow up in Italy, speaking Italian would be considered normal, right? So if you have yeah. something constantly going on, and you don't know anything else, there is this normalcy that comes with that. And it's just, I mean, it's a shame to me that, had to, that was the process that happened to you where you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess this is just um, normal. And unfortunately, because of the lack of the responses from the adult there. And you also mentioned something else in the story. And it was kind of a separate issue of while you had reached out uh, for help at one point, you were also saying that there was a time where you simply didn't even have the resources to get help at all. Can you elaborate on that a bit and like what that meant? Yeah. Um, uh, it was, um, compare, yeah, 10 years ago, um, 10 to 15 years ago, uh, I, I didn't have, uh, the resources to come out and get the help that I needed. And what I mean by that is um, for financial resources, number one, I didn't have the financial means to go out and get help, you know, um, seeking the help of psych uh, psychologists, counselors, therapists, whether it's naturopathic services, all these services, rehabilitation services to me in those days were very pricey. It was costly. You know, I, I know I, uh, I wasn't stable when it came to uh, my career choices. So I didn't have a stable job or anything because I was still wrapped up in um, my issues with substance at the time. So um, in a way, I, I am, I'm sure that there was resources out there. It's just because of my clouded uh, judgment, because of everything that was going on in my world, I guess you could say in a way there was some level of um, ignorance there on my part. Maybe I should have done a little bit more to um, see if there were resources out there. Um, but not the when we're talking about when I mentioned when I said resources, I also meant um, a big part of that was that um, in that time, 10 years ago, in those days, it, it, the conversation of mental health and sexual abuse was not even heard of, wasn't even talked about on a public scale like the way it is now, right? 
in those days, it was very, very difficult for me to even talk about uh, mental health and my issues with childhood sexual abuse just because nobody else was doing it. Now we live in an era where um, talking about mental health and talking about sexual abuse through uh, through podcasts like yours and through movements out there, the, the, the big one being the Me Too movement, these are movements that promote uh, survivors and victims to come out and speak their story. And more and more people now are listening, whereas 10 years ago, that wasn't the case at all. You couldn't go anywhere. So I think in, in many ways, if I had this type, if, the, if this world, if everything that was going on in our world in terms of awareness was relevant then 10 years ago, I imagine I would have had a lot more empowerment to come out then. But at the same time, because I was so wrapped up in my world with substance, even if I had come out, I feel as if there would have been um, not as much, not as much credibility behind it. Just because I was still so, I was still so heavily invested in my 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 use with drugs and alcohol, right? Um, and so. Um, it's it's easier now because now there's a lot more programs because of the awareness now that's going on in our world as it pertains to mental health and sexual abuse. More and more people, including employers, are getting on board and they're opting into, into they're opting into programs now where employees or and their families or students, for example, people and students in school, students and uh, their immediate loved ones can go out and get um, the help that they need for mental health issues. It's all provided under. Um, their their coverage now well i'm talking from a from a canadian standpoint that's how it is. fair enough yeah thank right. you very much for specifying uh, that right. absolutely from here here in canada it's with the, with the universal health care more and more employees and uh, employers and um organizations are getting on board with that now helping employ, uh, employees and people to get the help that they need uh, whereas 10 years ago it wasn't that wasn't even the case you know um, and you hit it. Yeah, you're hitting on a lot of good points because that's what sometimes even I forget. You know, I'm 24 now, almost 25, and I'm like thinking about like, oh, why didn't I speak up about this like easier? Like I would today. I would think I would today. And yeah, even 10 years ago, the difference between what it was like. Again, I can speak from the American perspective. I think it was probably pretty similar the way it sounds for you. I mean, yeah, this wasn't. This certainly was not on the level that it's at now in terms of public acceptance. And we right. always talk about social media and the downfalls it has on mental health. And I have no doubt about that. I fully agree with those things. But for every con, there usually is a pro. And I think one of the reasons we're seeing such a rapid movement towards um, maybe acceptance or an understanding of mental health issues is actually because of social media. I mean, think about how we're, me and you are talking right now, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I 100% agree with that statement. Social media has been um, one of the tools in our modern day modern day where people can go on and, and talk their truth and be heard, you know, and, and be heard. And um, whereas 10 years ago, that, that wasn't even the case, you know. And um, from a social media aspect, yeah, that wasn't relevant 10 years ago from an employer employee aspect 10 years ago that wasn't relevant either to provide the resources to um, the employees to go out there and get help and from someone who was heavily invested uh invested i guess is the wrong word but heavily involved in substance at the time i 
I, I, I didn't nobody. It's almost as if like, um, I, I was so wrapped up in it that I didn't allow myself to go out and get healing. But I'm sure that even if I did get the healing that I, that I needed uh, and came out with my story, then there would have been no credibility behind it. I feel, um, because at the, you know, I didn't, I didn't kind of, um, coming out with it 10 years ago, um, it, the, I, there was nothing going on for me in my life 10 years ago from, for people to really understand who I am, what my story is, what I have had to overcome, uh, to, to get to, you know, to, to get to, uh, where I was then. I, I, even if I had come out with it, it would have just been, um, out of out of left field like it would have just been a complete surprise to people 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 wouldn't have understood whereas now i know this can sound a little bit confusing but what i'm saying is now present day in the past 10 years i have showed people the, um the, my my story i've showed people i have proven myself to people in terms of my sobriety in terms of um um coming out of uh hardship and and being resilient and changing my life people have seen my story of right um through my posts uh, about sobriety um starting a family getting married uh, uh academic uh achievements career achievements uh coming out with my sexual abuse story i've given people context right mm -hmm. and now here i am talking about this podcast and people the people who know me uh, in my world who are listening to this podcast can understand whereas if i had come out about it 10 years ago no i had i hadn't i didn't give anybody context to really understand the why along the way right i never th th it would have been very very difficult so um it, it, there is so many there's so many factors that that go into play here about why i i didn't come out about it 10 years ago but social media for sure is 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 a big part of that you know maybe i would have found some sort of uh uh empowerment or something through uh p other people's stories and podcasts and books and whatnot 10 years ago and maybe who knows maybe i would have came out about it i don't know but i sure. but having a uh coming from a risk you know risk analysis i i've always have have had a a a risk analysis type of mindset. I work in the insurance industry for crying out loud. I kind of have to uh, uh, have that type <laughs> of mindset. Uh, so um, I, I, I just knew, I knew then that if I had even talked about something like this, um, the, 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 the risk reward wouldn't have been great, you know? So. Uh, right. And we'll, um, we definitely, because I want to touch on some of the stuff with substances in just a bit, but there's yeah. a really important question. Well, kind of a couple, uh, but one I got to ask before that, and that's looking back, is there any advice, like maybe, you know, what's the, what's the one line or piece of advice you would give to someone who is in the same situation that you were? And that is what should they do if they reach out for help going back now a little bit only to not get the support they need from that person. So I'm kind of talking about that first time you reached out more or less just trying to figure out, Hey, what's going on here? Is this normal? Um, and not getting that response. Like what can they do if they were in that position? Um, continue to get help. You know, if, if, if I could, I mean, it's easy for me to say a lot of that has to come with some sort of comes with, uh, a, a level of um, accountability, I guess you could say. Accountability is too strong of a word. But what I would say is don't um, 
don't assess people and and take people's opinions at face value because everybody's perceptions of of abuse and of mental health is different right um some people are are um influenced by stigma so if if you you know if you if you know who these people are i would say to avoid getting any sort of help or advice from from people who you um most likely would believe that they're they're not going to come through with you come through for you in some way like if you when if you reached out to an individual um and this indiv- if you reached out to an individual and this individual is is clearly not in a position to uh provide some sort of advice to you i would say to stay away from that person but the, but, but it all depends on your you have to be very observant you have to really assess them and look at them and see if they're uh if they would understand and if 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 you happen to um you know reach out to such person such a person who does not come through for you i would say not to not to end it there don't allow that to be the reason why you um move into why you start to self defeat right you start to self criticize and self uh sabotage and and self um defeat and self-isolate you don't want to you always want to go out and get a second opinion right and if i was to say to go out and get a second opinion if i'm if i i would say to go get a second opinion from someone um who knows what they're talking about and this could be a counselor this could be someone in a position of authority authoritative figure it could be a police officer it could be a counselor it could be us if you're a student in school talk to your teacher about it right uh there's counselors in your school as well too talk to a counselor about it in your school you know um it it's it's definitely a scary um it could be a scary route to take but i mean it's uh at the end of it the rewards are um so much better because you'll be heard these are people in positions where they can actually provide some sort of resource to you and help you right uh yeah. and do something about it and so i would always say to get a second opinion always okay all right thank you and here at Mining Your Mind, I mean, we think it's incredibly important to educate folks on how childhood trauma carries lasting impacts on our mental health. And we know that folks often turn to substances in an attempt to heal or just to get some temporary relief from really deep wounds and internal struggles, only to find themselves then battling addiction on top of everything else, which is something you've obviously touched on a few times now. I know this is a loaded question, but to the best of your ability, how did your trauma affect your life and mental health? uh it it uh boy oh boy that's yeah that is a definitely a loaded question it it really really um affected my life the the course of my life i imagine would have been much different if i had not if i hadn't endured uh the traumatic experiences that i've endured and and the residual effects such as the mental health issues that came from it you know i I, I, um, my mental health issues did not manifest itself until late in my life. Uh, you know, it wasn't until my, when my son was born in 2014, uh, you know, we're in 2000, I'm sorry, when my son, 
when my son was born in 2017. I got, I was, I got married in 2014. <laughs> okay, all right. I was about to say, you better uh, save yourself here, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I got married in 2014 to the love of my life. Uh, in 2017, we had our first, firstborn. Um, and when my son was born in, um, in I, I imagine it's the same with all cultures and all communities you know people family members they flock they come together and they 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 want to meet your newborn and they want to hold the baby and and they give gifts and and presents and in our in our uh, culture the Sikh culture they call it sagan and sagan means uh to give money to give gifts you know all that all that good stuff and so um it was through this experience where we had countless visitors come and visit my son. And it was through this experience where I started to feel um, something that I had once felt before in my lifetime. But I, it, it, when I felt it once before in my lifetime, I had always covered, masked it with, with drugs and alcohol. Uh, I didn't allow myself to feel what I was feeling now by seeing people hold my son uh, 10, 20 years ago, uh, when I used to drink, I would just simply mask that up with drugs and alcohol and not give my emotions any attention. So my point, well, fast forward to, to now all these people holding my children, you know, at face value, I'm not saying that everybody who picked up my kid that there's that um you know that i i had some sort of trust issues with them it wasn't that wasn't the case at all what happened what was happening was that people were picking up my kid my son and um my son being so weak so small so vulnerable reminded me of myself when i was also weak small and vulnerable very young. My perpetrator was a um, extended family came was was someone who was an extended family member. And here I was looking at family members of mine, extended family members of mine, holding my kid. Now, I'm not saying that they were all going to uh, that, that that I was suspicion suspicious of them or anything like that. No, that's not the case. What happened was internally, it started to create a um, a very confusing mixed bag of emotions because now I was having flashbacks. So every single time someone would touch my son, um, I would now have be flat. I would have flashes back to my, my, uh, my abuse. So this, this would evolve now. Um, this would, I, I'm very good at leaving my problems at the door when I go to work. So I, I'm very, very good at separating work life with personal life. And so what was happening now, though, was that now my these experiences, these mo these emotions that I was having was spewing into my uh, performance at work. I wasn't able to function at work anymore. And this would get bigger and bigger and evolve and evolve till eventually I would now self-isolate. I would become socially awkward. I, I, I wouldn't want to put myself in positions with other people and, and conversate. I would become very moody. I, I was very, very confused now because I was having flashes. And so, uh, and at home, I, I found myself more distant from my wife. I couldn't even, 
um, come close to my son without being flashed back to my childhood days when I used to be abused. So for the first couple of years, it was very difficult. There was a, there was a, a huge gap. Um, my, and my wife didn't understand what was going on with me. She had no idea. She, she, you know, I, at this point I had held in my sexual abuse for uh, 23 years after telling the adult, uh, um, when I was a child of what had happened to me, the moment that yeah, that adult did not hear me, I kept it in then for 23 years leading up to this point. So my wife had no idea what was going on with me. So, um, it was until, uh, it was last year, January 2nd, 2019, when I finally, I, I ended up in the hospital because I was, because of panic attacks. I had plenty of panic attacks along the way, 2017 now to 2019. I had a couple of panic attacks. I, um, was extremely stressed, extremely moody. I had no idea what was going on with me. I knew that there was something wrong with me, um, but I had no idea what it was. Um, but, but I no longer had drugs and alcohol to mask these, these emotions anymore. So I knew that uh, I was headed on a one-way one course of, of self-destruction. I, I knew that if I didn't come out with my story and, and talk to my wife about it, that this is going to end very, very badly for me. And so, so I know this is a long answer, but uh, no, no, no. You're Aaron. You're fine, man. Keep going. Thank you. The the uh, the my mental health issues didn't manifest itself, so I wasn't consciously aware of it until uh, 2017. It it grew. It evolved. In 2019, I knew that I needed help. I I came out with my wife about my abuse and the the support that I got from her was out of this world. It was absolutely wonderful. It was beautiful. It was, it was godlike. It was, it was um, a feeling that I had never feel in, felt before because I was under the, I was under this false notion, this, 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 this idea. I had this ideology that she would not hear me and not, not acknowledge me the same way I wasn't acknowledged by the adult once upon a time when I was a child. So I was extremely afraid that she would abandon me like the way I felt abandoned when I was a child. And so the opposite happened. However, she completely supported me and uh, it, it was wonderful. Um, however, though, I had let out such a big part of myself that I now fell into immediately after coming out, of, coming out, coming out, coming out about this, to my wife, I immediately fell into a vegetative state. So I wasn't able to sleep. I wasn't able to eat. I uh, gained weight. I um, isolated myself from my wife, from my child, from my family members. I uh, I would sleep maybe four or five o'clock in the morning um, and maybe wake up early afternoon. In some cases, maybe as, as in the evening time. I, I, I was... I was, um, I, I wouldn't go on any family events. Social anxiety was at its high here. <clears throat> I was having thoughts of, of um, you know, self-harm. There was uh, um, self-defeating thoughts, self-sabotaging um, thoughts, um, thoughts that would, and these are new thoughts to me. You know, these are, you know, these are, these I had once in a once upon a time in my life I had felt these feelings before, but 
again, I was I had masked it so easily with with substance. Now it was completely amplified. I didn't know I didn't know what to do about it. And in fact, I had relapse triggers. I, I thought maybe I should start drinking again. Um, but I didn't allow myself to get there. But the first couple of months, even though I knew I had the support and love of my wife, and it wasn't enough to 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 get rid of this 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 feeling that I had these 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 symptoms that I was dealing with, and uh, so I started getting help, and I and I came across uh, I I through my my employee employer relationship at work I took a leave of medical leave of absence and uh, which was approved by them and they my employer was able to get me um, through their program they have a resiliency program that I took advantage of and was able to uh, get lined up with a counselor and uh, you know where I where I talked about my issues and I learned learned a whole lot it was um, through these experiences, through this work, <clears throat> excuse me, it was through this work, I, I learned a lot of tools to stay grounded. I started discovering um, what was actually wrong with me in terms of why I was having the symptoms I was having. You know, I, uh, um, <clears throat> as I, I am 60, now, fast forward a present day, I'm about 60 sessions in into counseling now. I have had a lot of therapy. I've done a lot of leg work. But along the way, I was in a depression care program. I learned uh, much more uh, there. I am now part of an organization uh, called um, BC, Male, BC Society of Male Survivors of Sexual Abuse. So this is strictly trauma-focused. On your, uh, there's group therapy as well too, where I sit in with a group of men and we sit and talk about our our <clears throat> our, our mental health issues and 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 our and our stories. Um, but one thing I learned through all these experiences by have going through um, amazing an amazing and amazing team of counselors and uh, it, one of the things that I've learned is that my mental health issues. Sure, it's something that <clears throat> manifested itself over the recent years, but this is something that I have been dealing with for a very, very long time. So um, I guess going to your question is, when I endured the things I was enduring, uh, not only at home, you know, my father was an alcoholic and abused my mother. There was, uh, he'd never physically abused us or abused us in any way as kids uh, to my brothers and myself, but the the vicarious trauma that I sustained from watching my mom being physically abused was enough for me to really, was enough for me to really, uh, um, really um, lose myself, I guess you could say in my later years. In addition to then being sexually abused, when that started, uh, when that introduced itself when I was seven and then a 10, and then um, I won't go too much into detail about that, Ev, but, um, in between 10 and 14, I would be abused over uh, many, many times over the course of those years. And now there was a period well where I thought that this was normal. Again, as I mentioned earlier, because I wasn't hurt by the adult, I thought this was all normal. So, you know, I was in a way allowing myself to be abused because I thought it was okay. You know, I, uh, as messed up as that sounds, it, it's something that I, um, had 
I, I didn't find, I, I couldn't escape myself from because it, the thought was never there to escape myself from it because it was normalized for me. And so, um, <clears throat> over the, over the, the, the following years, I, this trauma that I now have, um, I, I had, I had experiences in elementary school, um, small, small experiences with the opposite sex where, you know, uh, where I would have a childlike crushes. And I, I, this is something that we all have, have felt before at some point, I imagine as kids, yes. you know, you, you, you have these childlike feelings for the opposite sex and, um, and these crushes with the opposite sex. And this is stuff that was new to me. You know, I, um, um, I, I would be in elementary school being called somebody's boyfriend and, uh, I I shared uh, my first kiss with one of my my crushes, and these were all new experiences for me. But um, experiences that I um, enjoyed. I guess what I'm saying is, I had now I was figuring my sex. I knew what my sexual preferences was at this time. Now I knew that my, I mean, I knew that the opposite sex is 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 what I was is is what I was attracted to, and so. Um, Following uh, elementary school now in grade eight, um, in middle school here, um, everybody was doing it now, right? I would go to house. I, I gained popularity very quickly because of my uh, my my basketball talents, and I uh, was um, I, I I was recruited into the um, um, I was accepted. Sorry, I should say into the triple AAU team for Washington State. When I when I lived there in uh, in Bellingham, in Washington. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and so I um, it was during this time through this popularity, I was exposed to a lot of kids, not just kids my age who are thirteen, but fourteen, fifteen, and even sixteen. Right. So I was going to house parties. I was going to uh, different social events, and everybody was talking about um, sex and and the opposite sex and and. Uh, and and um, I mean, without going into so much so much detail about it, but just about uh, conversations about um, per sexual preference and all that sorts of stuff. And it was through these experiences I had realized that um, that these experiences that I was hearing from people, these were all new experiences. These are experiences that they were um, introduced to or or, or experiencing. For the first time in their lives, they 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 weren't seven, six, or eight, or nine, or ten, eleven, or twelve, or thirteen, and fourteen, mm -hmm. uh, having had these experiences. They were just dealing with it now for the first time in their lives. This was a huge red flag to me, because now it wasn't normal anymore. Right? It wasn't normal anymore. Um, I knew that what was happening to me was completely abnormal, and so I was able to. Um, this experience that I had very early in high school gave me the tools that I needed to escape my abuser, which I did. Um, but what would happen then is I would find myself back here in Vancouver, British Columbia for the grade nine school year. And the, the, um, now that I had now that I had discovered that it's not normal at all, the abnormality of it all really um, uh, played with my mind. It really, um, 
it really played it confused me um i I was now wondering well i was now asking myself very um tough questions um uh, just just self-defeating questions and and about um sexual preference and uh um, guilt, shame. Uh, was it my fault? And, and um, maybe there's something that I'd done to get to have been abused. Just very self-defeating stuff. And um, I, this, this trauma. Then these um, uh, these emotions, these feelings, these thoughts were something that I could not endure. And so I, I found myself um, involved with uh, a wrong group of friends in my grade nine school year and um who introduced me to drugs alcohol um a different way of life uh which i which i found myself um which i found myself involved in i i was uh i was now drinking all the time uh recreationally anyways what started out recreationally we were I, I was drinking all the time. I, I was um, using all the time. I uh, it, it became a way for me to mask my issues. And and mind you, I'm 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 for, I'm uh, I'm in I'm in grade nine here. So I'm for, uh, fourteen, turning fifteen. I'm so young, you know. And so I had now um, found my found something to mask my issues, to mask my problems. Well. What would, end up, what, what, what would end up happening is now this would just spiral. I would spiral. I would become reckless. I would become disobedient. I would become, I would do very, very poorly in school. I just would have a careless attitude about life. Um, I would, um, uh, it affected my goals, my aspirations of what I wanted to do. It would affect my home life with my, with my mother, my father, uh my other family members as well too my brothers um i it, it it's my trauma and the experiences and the questions that came from my trauma spewed into all aspects of my life and uh i was very popular in high school uh made had a lot of friends um i uh of course drank a lot used substance a lot but this would eventually evolve over time to using more and more and more and then slowly the friends and relationships found i found myself in a position ultimately in the end where i was extremely alone um and now you know i was 14 then fast forward 10 years later 24 uh, 25 I, I i'm i'm um i don't have a dollar to my name i have uh um, no career. Um, I have. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm drinking and using. Um, you know, I, I had completely uh, failed myself as a human being at that moment in time. I was. I found myself. Well, that's what I chose to believe, anyways. Um, at that time, I had no purpose, no no foresight in my life about what it is I wanted to do, and so I. I I had a I had an awakening moment um, when I was 25 years old where I realized that I am on a collision course to be just like my father, who who also was an alcoholic, and uh, because of his alcoholism, he ended up 
abusing and hurting my mother. And, you know, I was not to say that I was doing what he was doing, but I knew that if I kept up with what I was doing based on uh, what had already had been done to me and everything, I, I just knew that I'm on a collision course to be just like him or I would just end up, or, you know, there's a possibility that I could be dead. And so, um, uh, and so I decided to change my life and um, sober and, and get clean, which I did. Um, and uh, fast forward seven years um, later now, uh, being 33 years, eight years later, being 33, I um, can look back at my life and those experiences and say, that um yeah those the trauma had really really affected my life in such a way where i i look back now ev and i think wow like how i mean i i know how i did it because the motivation and the drive was there to get clean and get better but somewhere in those experiences i managed to find myself along the way i mean for example i i I dropped out of high school uh in grade 11 because of my traumatic experiences and i found myself in a very very darker world with uh with people um the where i i could have been dead or 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 um or um you know could have been dead or, or Thing, my life would have been much worse, let's say. Um, and so I, I came out of that and I, and I went to school, decided to go back to school and, and graduate and, and get my, my, my dogwood, my high school diploma, which I did. You know, I, I went back to school, uh, got my high school diploma. I graduated with a scholarship. I uh, eventually found my way upgrading my credits, uh, university uh, credits, and then eventually hit university. Um, unfortunately, I was still using through these experiences. Um, my grandfather, uh, earlier you asked me about what are some of the experiences as, as a child that I've had, have had positive experiences before my trauma, and my grandfather was a huge part of that. I would look forward to go to my grandfather's house all the time he taught me prayer he taught me um culture he taught me manners he taught me uh he he gave me uh childhood something that i i I would play with them you know there was so many good memories with my grandfather he he replaced he played the role of my father um that my own biological father could not play you know because my own biological father he was so heavily invested in his drugs and alcohol that he neglected uh, a lot of me growing up as a child so my grandfather filled that role and so when i went back to when i started university my grandfather passed away unfortunately and so um that loss for me was very very tough to handle and so i um it, it, that would be one of those catalysts that came into my life that would kick me into uh, more drugs and alcohol. I would use more at this point. Um, my relationships that I had developed along the way, I've had, I, I would have uh, many relationships along the way, but that would all fall apart because I would be so scared of them, of my relationships removing my masculinity one layer at a time. I was so scared to be put in a position where I had to expose myself that I would self-sabotage and do something 
I would do or say something in a way where I knew that eventually they would just break up with me and, 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 uh, and I would just, uh, um, just, just move on. But I, I kind of manipulated that to happen to myself. I I couldn't be the one to break up with uh, my, I couldn't be the one to end my relationship because I was never the type of person to uh, inflict pain on someone that way. Having been, um, you know, inflicted pain on myself, I, I just, I, I, there was some sort of, uh, there was some level of, of sympathy that I had, that I guess I had towards people that I just couldn't inflict pain on them. So I would just, um, you know, I would, I would allow myself to self-sabotage ultimately these relationships would end. I would jump from one relationship to the next because I would, out of fear of, uh, um, you know, uh, of these, this relation, these really, I was so scared that these relationships would remove my masculinity one layer at a time, as I said earlier, and that would put me in a position of exposure where I had to reveal my abuse. And I was, I wasn't ready to, to deal with it then. So I would just keep spiraling this way, spiraling this way. And, um, and yeah, so, so I was able to get to university, uh, but then I dropped out of university and then I, um, I sober, um, decided to sober. And it was at this point I started to, uh, do things for my own betterment. You know, I, I, um, started losing weight. I started, uh, investing more uh, heavily in my relationship at the time who was, uh, I met a woman, a a beautiful woman at the time who stuck with me through thick and thin, even through all the um, issues that I was dealing with, with substance and addiction and all the things that I mentioned earlier about my experiences with addiction. Uh, my, my, my wife, my, my girlfriend at the time, who is my wife now um, stuck with me through thick and thin. And so I was able to invest heavily now in her and we got engaged. We got married. I was able to, um, um, find a career, uh, an employer who sent me to school. Um, you know, I, I, I was able to um, achieve um, academic su- success that way. And, uh, you know, having, um, you know, having my firstborn in 2017 and now, uh, now present day, we're actually expecting our second, second son here very soon. Wow. <laughs> this month, this month, matter of fact. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't like to look at the materialistic things because there are materialistic, materialistic successes all along the way, but that's the last thing that matters to me. I'm not a materialistic person. To me, it's all about, uh, being resilient and coming out of, of hardship. And so when I, when I, when I, when I look back at my life, life and those experiences, if I can say, man, that those traumatic experiences would have it would have really my life could have been much different if I didn't have um, the the fight in me or, or or the resilience in me. Well, the fight in me to be resilient, to come out and of hardships when I could, um, you know. And and um, yeah, these traumatic experiences it makes me wonder, you know, what happens if I didn't have the will to fight? You know, if I didn't have um, experiences to 
uh, to look at things objectively and say, you know what, you got to change your life. This is it. You know, if you don't do this, you're, this is how it's going to turn out. In some ways, it's anxiety, but in a lot of ways, it's risk analysis. If I didn't have that sort of mindset, I wonder where my traumatic experiences would have led me today. You know, it's it's a it's a. I mean, I, I don't like to get too wrapped up in it. I'm very very grateful for where I am today, for what I have. Um, I consider myself super blessed, regardless of uh, of the fact uh, of what happened to as as a child and growing up. But yeah, it's it's something that you can't escape. You know, these traumatic experiences really did shape um, shape uh, my life and and chisel me, chisel the man I am today. I guess you could say. But yeah, it it definitely it makes me wonder about about other people. You know. Um, about their experiences don't give up man you know you got to keep going you know um but yeah it's the these uh, experiences really really um played a huge role um negatively in my life sorry hopefully that answers your question that was really hard well and this is the thing because i you know i wanted to touch on that this is one of those rare cases it's only happened i've been recording for a while and a few things just happened for maybe only the second or third time one someone was so perfectly hitting on the questions I wanted to ask already that it was just, I mean, you just kept going and I'm looking at my little script that I had down, the things that I really wanted to talk to you about. And one after another, bam, 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 you hit them all off. So I was like, all right, this is perfect. You make my job easy. But number two, Aaron, on a more serious note, I've been podcasting and interviewing for well over a year and a half now, and it's been a pretty invested year and a half, right? There's been a lot of interviews during that time. And I can only remember one other time where the person that was speaking actually gave me chills over a podcast. And that was done multiple times, actually, two or three in the past 20 minutes. So I think you're really on to something with what you're doing and sharing your story. Um, I think you're absolutely here for a reason. And I do want to finish up, though. uh, There's one other thing I guess I'd like to ask, because obviously you have your second child coming on the way, which is amazing. But in terms of your goals, maybe in with career, or I know that you might be starting a podcast soon. What's next for you? Because it seems like you are on a path to truly help others. Yeah. Um, well, I I am in the middle of writing a book, very early stages. I um, I mean, those experiences take uh, a while <laughs> to, uh, to write a book, but I am writing a book. I am working on it. Um, the hope is that in the next year, um, there'll be, I, I will release this book. Um, my plan is to also start a, uh, podcast. It's very early stages. I'm learning at this point, I guess you could say, trying to figure out, um, what equipment is best and, uh, I'm trying to figure out where my podcast is going to go. So I guess you could say I'm kind of in the brainstorming stages, but the foresight of starting a podcast is there. Um, from an academic point of view, from an academic, academically, I am a student right now in university who, um, who advocates, uh, in school as well too. So through research papers and through essays and all that stuff, I'm always talking about, uh, sexual abuse and mental health. I like to continue it, the fight through also, uh, academically as well too. Um, the foresight is, uh, long term, my, my aspirations ultimately in the end is to become a lawyer. Hopefully one day I could um, use my experiences and, um, and provide a defense for those people who uh, are survivors like myself, for those people who want to come out and report their abuse and, and, and take the issue to court and fight that way. My, you know, um, but uh, you know, 
at this point, uh, at this point, there's just so much. Um, at this point, I'm just taking it one stride at a time. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm super, super fortunate, super grateful to be in this position um, where I can share my experiences and my story, my story um, through pat- platforms like this. So thank you. I, I appreciate this, this opportunity. At the end of it all, it's not about the self. It's never about me. It's always about um, the person who is listening in um, on these type of podcasts. A year ago, I was doing the same thing. I would listen to podcasts. I would read books. I would uh, listen to stories. And I knew that those stories were helping me. And I know that I can help you as well. Um, right. So That's what's so cool about it. And it's just the best way to live our lives when it's it's in service to others. You know, it gives yeah. meaning to things yeah. that holy cow, shouldn't really have any meaning, right? But we can take those experiences and turn them into something that can be used to actually support and help others. Well, I think all of this is awesome. I'm excited for these projects, but since they're not out yet, and you're still working on some of them, I know there's going to be people out there who want to follow this and know when they're released. So I know that you're becoming active on social. Where can people find you? Um, well, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Aaron Sharma Official. Uh, Instagram is where I'm at. Um, I also, um, I, I am also on Facebook if you want to catch me there. Um, but more so, um, um, Instagram, you can add me on, uh, Aaron Sharma official. And I over on that, um, profile, there's a link to my bio, a link tree bio where you can see, um, my sexual abuse story. I have a video that I released in February when I first released my um, my story to the world. So you, if you want to take a look at that, that's available there as well too on my Linktree link, um, along with um, my recent magazine feature in Toy Magazine. Uh, there's an article there that you can read. Hopefully that provides some sort of light in your life. Um, but uh, yeah, come check me out. Um, I am doing a lot of, uh, uh, things, uh, right now that's, uh, uh, that I believe that will be useful to you. Uh, so come check me out and, uh, yeah, God bless you. Excellent. Aaron, it takes so much courage to not only confront trauma and abuse, but to also share your story is a huge undertaking on behalf of Minding Your Mind. We thank you for your courage, your vulnerability, and your advocacy. I personally want to thank you on a human-to-human level. I mean, you are an inspiration, man. And the field of mental health advocacy has definitely gained a lot from you coming out and sharing your voice. Thanks for joining us today and joining the fight to break stigma every day. That's all for today, everybody. Stay tuned for our next episode. Until then, remember, keep minding your mind. And as always, take good care. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning into the show. To learn more about us, visit mindingyourmind.org.